You might have been busy celebrating New Year's Eve already and not realize that Arizona lost, but they did to Stanford by 18. It may be the final year of the Pac-12's existence, but their cannibalism is clearly alive and well. Yikes. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. We're your host, that's Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade. It is a joy to be with you today. If you want to be a bigger part of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, come join our Discord where we're chatting and hanging out all the time, particularly you everydayers. If you're not part of that, man, come be part of it. The link is in the show notes. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Andy, we want to invite everyone to come join us in uh, voting on the Sports Podcast Awards, where we are up for Best Basketball Podcast against an ocean of NBA schools. Let's rep it. Let's hold it down for the college basketball ranks. Thank you all so much for that. Andy, it is Tuesday, January 2nd, and that means that we have a trivia question. It's my turn to ask it today, so here we go. Andy, as of New Year's Day, Three teams are tied for the most quad one wins in all of D1. My question to you to be cogitating on as we get throughout this show, who are those three teams and bonus points if you can tell me their number of wins? All, all right. right. You got that? Understand? Got it. Ready. Clear cut. All right. Let's get into this game. Stanford, 100, Arizona, 82. Andy, this you know, we, we joked off the top about it happening on New Year's Eve is most people aren't even paying attention. It's like a Friday afternoon news dump when you're trying to get all that stuff off. I think you joked. It's like Tommy Lloyd was like, all right, guys, we got to drop a uh, a seemingly pointless Pac-12 game. Let's do it on New Year's Eve when no one's paying attention. It kind of <laughs> feels like that is what happened. Andy, here's the question I want to ask off the top. Is this in any way about Stanford maybe being better than we thought? Or is this just Arizona flat laying an egg? I think it's mostly Arizona, uh, and that's not really to disrespect Stanford. I think Stanford's a fine team. I think that they are going to beat a few teams that we're, we're surprised they beat. I think they're going to lose to a few teams that were like, oh, they should not be losing to those types of teams. That's kind of what we've seen from from Jared Haas's program, uh, really since he took over as the head coach, I think six or seven years ago. But for Arizona, part of me wonders if this is a bit of like uh, – course correction in terms of their defense. Uh, it's a program that hasn't been particularly great defensively under coach Tommy Lloyd uh, the last couple of years that just they, they're run and gun high octane offense in the defense. You know, it's not that it's bad, but it hasn't it, the rankings. Ken Palm in particular have shown this team being much better defensively than we've typically seen. And so I kind of think sometimes there's just a bit of correction of like, oh, yeah. they're going to have bad nights. And in this case, the three point perimeter defense was just horrendous. <laughs> Having said that, Having said that, Stanford shooting 16 of 25 is probably not something that is going to happen very often. That's what not replicable, we, you're telling me? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But what I am curious about, what I am curious about is, is 
as the season goes on, as we see more teams play Arizona, if teams continue to shoot 25, 28, 33s against them, and they're, again, they're probably not going to make them at a 65% clip very often, but if they're taking a bunch of threes, if they're shooting 35, 36, 40-ish percent, that's kind of an indication that maybe Stanford helped find something here in an, in an area where Arizona might struggle on that, that perimeter defense. And again, Tommy Lloyd is not Mark Few. They should not always be connected together, but Gonzaga has a long, extensive history of poorly defending the three-point line. So it's possible that Arizona is, is maybe going to struggle in that area as well. They haven't been particularly great at it the last couple of years. They've been very good up to this point this season. So I think that that area where I wonder if maybe there was just a, hey, they were due for a game where uh, the perimeter just wasn't defended as well as it could have been and a team just lit them up. And I didn't expect it to be Stanford. I don't think many people would have expected it to be Stanford. Uh, I'll, I'll also say, and this is not an excuse for Arizona, it's not an excuse for other teams that dropped bad games this week like FAU or Gonzaga or Creighton, but uh, teams sometimes struggle in the, the weird winter break time when students aren't in school, right. when you have That's a right. long gap. Like This is not uncommon at all for teams to struggle in this time. So you kind of combine a few of those factors and you could see where Arizona might at least struggle defensively the way that they did. But uh, 82 points, while that's not bad, you want to see more against the Stanford team. And, and certainly this this feels to me like a game where they just they just didn't have it the way that they normally will. Yeah, I mean, school way to go, Stanford. School record, yeah. 16 made threes. But yeah, I mean, there's no way that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing about college basketball. Mm-hmm. In a one-off, anything can happen. And, you know... Andy, we've talked so much. I think you always call it the Caleb Love experience. <laughs> game where he leads Arizona with 23 points, but needs 19 shots to get there. Just one of six from three. Kylan Boswell was one of seven from three. They just can't do that and yeah. expect to win. Andy. That, I mean, that's going to be an issue. Also, another thing to Stanford's credit that you talk about maybe a blueprint. Arizona came into this game third in the nation in fast break points at like 18.67. Stanford's able to hold them to just six. So maybe oh, wow. that's that's something as well as you kind of wall off there a little bit and uh, see if you can slow down that uh, high, uh, that fast break, breakneck pace mm-hmm. attack that Tommy Lloyd's team has. I mean, and credit to Stanford, they never trailed in, yeah. in this game. They got out to a 7-0 start. Similar to the 9-0 start Alabama got off to a couple weeks ago, but Arizona was just able to overwhelm Alabama. Stanford never trailed. Let me say that again. And so that that's something wild. So Andy, I know you said it's like kind of that midwinter break thing that we see happen for teams all the time. We talked about that with Creighton on uh, yesterday's show. And now Arizona has lost three of five Stanford, not a good loss, Mm -hmm. but the other two are Purdue and FAU. You can certainly excuse those. Andy, as I look at this for Arizona, it, it is a quad two loss. As you look at the net refresh, that to me is not a resume killer. We talked about resume killers yesterday, but it is the kind of thing we can start to use to separate as we get to selection Sunday between like one seeds and two seeds. So for example, here's some other of the, the top teams who do not have any losses outside of quad one. Houston, obviously zero losses, period. Mm-hmm. Purdue, Kansas, Tennessee, Marquette, no losses outside of quad one. Meanwhile, now, Arizona, along with UConn and Creighton, all have a Q2 loss. Duke has two quad two losses. Kentucky has that quad three loss at home to UNCW. So, Andy, that's just that's just one of those things to look at as we're trying to think about uh, how seeding will fall. Yeah, I think one thing I would, for Arizona, the week, the, the loss to Stanford made it a bad week, but 
FAU losing kind of makes it a bad week too, because yeah, that win becomes crazy. a little bit scarier in terms of whether it's, or that loss, excuse me, could end up looking worse. FAU not, you know, we talked about this a lot on Monday show, not a ton of opportunities to, to build back up the resume. They got to do some good stuff against Memphis. If they do not, or if they drop games uh, in the AAC that they shouldn't be dropping, that could make that loss look a little bit worse for the Wildcats down the stretch as well. Uh, but, you know, I think it's one of those things where Arizona's resume still stacks up with most of those teams in that top five, top eight kind of conversation. And that's what made it interesting to, to us to figure out what we want to do with Arizona from a ranking perspective. And we're going to talk a lot more about our Locked On College Basketball Top 25 uh, here coming up in, in the second segment of the show. But for Arizona, it was kind of hard to figure out where do we still have them? Like I didn't drop them very much uh, from this loss here. And I know, Isaac, you dropped them a little bit farther. All three yep. of us had them, the two of us and, and Leaf Tulin, our, our regular contributor. All of us had Arizona still in the top 10, yet the AP poll, which just came out but right before we recorded here, uh, they have them 10th. So Arizona dropped all the way to 10. I have them fifth. Isaac, you have them ninth. Leaf had them seventh. So we're still all in the belief that this is a top 10 team. And yet, again, the AP poll, which in my opinion, tends to overcorrect sometimes for <laughs> situate like recent situations, a little bit of recency bias, uh, moves Arizona down to 10th. I don't think that that's egregious by any stretch. I think it's a fine argument to have them 9th, 10th, et cetera. But for me, I didn't move the needle all that much, uh, but certainly it'll be interesting to see how they respond from this loss and, and what else happens in the Pac-12. Out of these teams that are in the top 10 right now, I'm trying to think of if are there are there worse losses than this loss for Arizona or Kentucky's um, UNC Wilmington loss? Like those seem to be the biggest resume dings in the top 10 right now. Uh, UConn to Seton Hall is not great. Yeah, that's a good point. Seton Hall is pretty, pretty bad. I think that, I mean, it doesn't have a great record. I could say I don't think they're actually that bad of a team, but they got beat by 15 in that game. Now, obviously, Arizona losing to 18 to Stanford is probably worse, but I think those are some, some, that's kind of a, the closest comparison that I can think of uh, just yeah. off the top of my head. Well, I think the first locked on college basketball top 25 rankings for the year 2024 are out. We're going to dig into our rankings, including big falls for FAU, for Creighton, and who is battling for that last spot in the top five. All that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Outside of that, folks, the app is super easy to use. There are so many different ways to bet. You can bet on spreads, money lines, player props, and more. They also have live same-game parlays. You can also find new bets in the new Explore tab on the FanDuel app. You can also make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays. And since we're talking about the Pac-12 and the cannibalism in that conference, <laughs> we're going to take a look at the updated Pac-12 regular season champions. Arizona still the heavy favorite here at minus 135, followed by Colorado. The Buffs at plus 430. Oregon and Utah are tied after that at plus 850. USC, a preseason favorite, all the way down at 1400. Mm -hmm. And UCLA somehow still in this conversation at plus 1600. So, folks, visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fanduel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, Isaac, let's get right into the top 25 here for week eight. This is our rankings, Locked On College Basketball. Again, myself, Isaac, Leaf Tulane, all do separate 
top 25 rankings. We aggregate them together to get our consensus top 25. We're going to go through it here with a couple different talking points. We'll start at the top where the top four teams did not change. The order did not change. Purdue, Kansas, Houston, UConn. And Isaac, before we get through the rest of the list, I want to stop there. Is this just the, the obvious top four and kind of because we've been talking about there being a top five, a top six, top seven with kind of Marquette in that conversation. And then as we've kind of had these conversations throughout the year of, are there six great teams? Are there five great teams? I guess the question now becomes, are we down to four? Are these the four teams that are separate from everybody else? And and kind of who, we'll, we'll talk momentarily about who's kind of fighting for that fifth spot, but it certainly feels like we have a top four that kind of has separated themselves from the rest of the pack. I would say no for me right now. And I think some of that is still because we're waiting to see Houston against elite competition, which we're going to start finding out very quickly because of Pac-12 play. Um, as for Purdue. Big 12 play. Big 12 play. Not a lot of elite competition in Pac-12 play. Yeah, I mean, there's so much elite competition. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're waiting on Houston's uh, Big 12 mm-hmm. schedule to get going. And it, it's going to take a minute because – they start off with West Virginia. They're at mm-hmm. Iowa State, who's highly ranked in all the computer mm-hmm. stuff. But Andy, you and I were just talking about, we're like, ah, I don't know about Iowa State. They haven't mm-hmm. played anyone. Then it's TCU, Texas Tech, UCF. So Houston, in my estimation, doesn't even have an elite level Big 12 opponent until sure. Yeah, but if they win all those games. Oh. I mean, if they win all those games, at that point, I think we have to, even if they then start losing yeah. after that, we still have to say, okay, they're clearly an elite team because they'd be like, what, 17-0 and 0 with road wins over, you know, net Iowa State, top 30 teams. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does start getting better, but I need to see them against Texas or Kansas, yeah. right? Like, sure. I, I just – until we see them against another one, yes, there, there's. I love what you're saying there. Like as mm-hmm. the schedule builds out and you just continue stockpiling wins, that's mm-hmm. a thing. But I, I'm not comfortable to call them this team with those until I see them against Purdue or can. I mean, we won't see them against Purdue, but mm-hmm. but Kansas or something like that. Yeah. So, but as for Purdue, Kansas, UConn, yes, for me, I still think Arizona is in this tier, yeah. uh, and I think. I think Marquette is. It's just they've had a couple head scratchers for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm not ready to say that top four is completely separate from the rest. What about you? Yeah, I'm kind of with you too. I think there's a handful of teams right below them that could sneak back into that conversation. I'm a little less concerned about Houston falling out. But then again, we haven't seen them get tested in a way that we need to see. I think you know their win over Utah has aged well as Utah has right. climbed into that top 25 conversation. The win mm-hmm. over Xavier was as a win that you look at the score and you think, wow, it seems like they barely won, but they really kind of felt like they had a decent handle on that game. Now Xavier hasn't they've kind of been up and down a little bit throughout the season, but I do think Houston, A&M, they got that game over a Yeah. The right A&M game where they look like they just blasted them out the doors. And then all of a sudden A&M climbed way back into it, which I uh, did not help them in the computers, you know, <laughs> rankings because the, the margin of victory was a lot smaller, but I think Houston's probably in this conversation. They're, they're definitely in this conversation right now. I think they'll probably stay in it, but I do agree. I they're the team most likely to fall out of said conversation. Whereas I think I agree with you, Arizona, Marat, uh, Tennessee, potentially getting into SEC play, I think can, can climb into that conversation as well. And I think that kind of leads well into the next portion of the top 25. Cause again, we got Purdue, Kansas, Houston, UConn at the top four. And then we have Tennessee at fifth. They climbed a spot. We had Kentucky at six. They climbed a spot. Arizona comes in at seven. Obviously they dropped those two spots. Marquette climbed up from 10th to eighth in our rankings and North Carolina 
climbed up into the top 10 at number nine. So Kentucky, or excuse me, Tennessee, Kentucky, Arizona, Marquette, North Carolina. If we're thinking that there's the four top four teams, Purdue, Kansas, Houston, UConn. Yeah. If one of those teams is not a top four seed. If they're not a one seed in March, do you think it's going to be one of these five teams? And if so, who do you think is most likely to be in that conversation, in that top five conversation, potentially a one seed in March? Yes, I think if there is another one seed, I think it comes out of this group. It's almost easier for me to say who I think it wouldn't be out of this group, mm -hmm. and that's Kentucky and North Carolina. Yeah. I think it's more likely to come from the trio of Tennessee, Arizona, and Marquette. Mm -hmm. Based on what we've seen, I would lean towards Arizona. I would go Arizona, Marquette, Tennessee in likelihood mm -hmm. of those being one of the, one of the uh, teams to jump up and grab a one seed. What about you, Andy? I think that's pretty close. I think I'd go Arizona, Tennessee, Marquette. I like it. I think I just flipped them. And, and part of that is, is that both of them are going to have really challenging conference schedules between Tennessee, the SEC and the Big East. I, Marquette, I feel like, is a little bit more likely to lose some of those games. But then again, Tennessee uh, certainly has the ability to, to lose games to a lot of teams in the SEC, especially right. if their offense doesn't show up, that are very reliant on Dalton Connect to be consistently excellent as a scorer. Uh, I'm curious to see if that's something he's capable of doing uh, two games a week from now until March in the SEC. That's going to be really tough to do. Marquette is a very experienced team. They've been through the Big East together, so maybe they do have a chance to kind of be in there. But I'm just slightly more likely to think Tennessee could climb into that conversation than Marquette. But uh, I think all three of those teams in particular are the most likely. Uh, Kentucky is a very young team. I think there's a chance that they have some some bad losses still to come on their resume, which I think they're a very, very good team, but one or two more bad losses or even just quad two losses is enough for them to probably be more in that three seed conversation. North Carolina, ACC is just not super strong outside of a top couple teams, so they have to be pretty close to perfect uh, in order to be in that conversation. To me, they strike me as a team more likely to be in the uh, three, maybe four, maybe even five seed conversation, depending how things go. But uh, this is a, I think this is a, a good group of teams here that could all kind of potentially climb into that conversation. But uh, I, I do think that there's kind of a wide variety of, of ways this could go. Andy, after those top nine, we moved to Illinois at 10, who fell two spots for us. We're going to talk more about how we treated them in segment three, because we're going to talk about the Terrence Shannon Jr. news. I want to move a little further down the mm. list, because there's a couple teams that it was hard to know how to treat. Uh, and mm. the first of which is FAU, but then also Creighton and Gonzaga. I think we mm. all struggled with what to do with those three teams. Uh, in terms of FAU, let's start there. They land 18th in our poll. They fell eight spots for you, 17 for me, and six for Leaf. And I think part of this is right. Uh, I, I heard a little anic statistical anecdote from Gary Parrish from CBS uh, over the weekend. FAU is the only team in Division One right now that has multiple quad one wins and quad four losses. So that I think that's a bit that explains so much about why it's so hard to know what to do with the Owls here. Andy, do you think this at 18 is a good landing spot for them? Yeah, I do. I think that the, I kind of expected they would be like around 20-ish just for, in our rankings. I expected that's where they would be in the AP rankings as well because I think people are kind of struggling to figure out what do we want to do with this team that has worse losses than the vast majority of teams on the top 25. I mean, probably all of them, I, I would think. And looking at the ranking, it's still hard for me. It's like, okay, FAU has much better wins than Colorado State, who's one spot ahead of them. 
but they have much worse losses than Baylor, who's one spot behind them, or Wisconsin, or of course, you know, James Madison and Ole Miss who are behind them who don't have any losses at all. And so it's like, there's such an enigma of a team to figure out of like, I feel it feels weird to see a Baylor team that has, you know, some really quality wins on their resume, be behind an FAU team that lost to Bryant and Florida Gulf Coast. But at the same time, Baylor had opportunities to pick up big wins that they did not, whereas FAU did they did pick up those wins so no. i like the owls i like dusty may i let this team is they are experienced uh they they you know have all played together i think you're seeing the the fruits of that kind of ability to keep everybody together really paying off but i'm very intrigued to see what happens now that they're at the point of their schedule where they don't have a lot of quad one games left but they do have quad four games left and they do have a lot of quad three games left and they are in a precarious position where you know, it's the position that Gonzaga has been in for so long, although kind of finally pulled themselves out of it a little bit of you wins don't really matter, but losses do. And you've yeah. got to take care of business. You have, I mean, you got to beat Memphis, but you also cannot lose. You cannot lose to North Texas. You cannot lose to those teams in the AAC. And it'll be interesting to see if Dusty is able to keep this team in a position where they can avoid those losses and, and stay in this top 25 conversation. Cause I think one more and they're, they're out. Yep. And last year, zero quad four losses Mm -hmm. and they wound up as a nine seed. So, Andy, I think that is critical to remember. They also, of course, though, didn't have an Arizona win on their resume Mm -hmm. last year. Um, Andy, I know we need to keep going, but um, some interesting things. San Diego State jumps into our rankings back in at 24. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as you get the AP poll out on Monday, they continue to rank Texas. That's bewildering to you and I. Because they have two losses, neither of which are bad, but they don't have any wins. That's why you don't see them in our poll, but mm-hmm. you will in the AP. Um, and so it's just interesting teams. You know, we talked about Iowa State earlier. So there's a whole bunch of teams that are in this weird bucket that I think it's really going to start to sort itself out as we see teams finally take to the road for the first time in mm-hmm. conference play. All right, folks, here's the deal. We need to get into talking about the Terrence Shannon Jr. news that we learned last week, along with getting you ready for a couple games that are going to happen on Tuesday night. And Andy's going to see if he can answer today's Trivia Tuesday question. We'll do all that in just a second. All right, Andy, late last week, Friday, if I remember correctly, it kind of came out of nowhere that Terrence Shannon Jr. had been suspended indefinitely by Illinois. This charge of rape unfortunately stemming from an incident back on September 8th when Terrence Shannon Jr. traveled to Lawrence, Kansas to attend the Illinois at Kansas football game. Uh, You know, Andy, it's just, it's unfortunate and disappointing that we have to address things like this that happen, but we need to. Uh, We feel the responsibility to do so as people that cover college basketball. And so here we are. The news is that Shannon uh, did go turn himself in, posted bail, over the weekend, um, there are, as often as the case, few uh, actual details on the allegations. But the fact that the language used here is charged, mm-hmm. that is that is a big deal and makes it a legitimate thing. Obviously, as we always want to be careful and wise here as, as to how we talk about this, even because of the legal nature of it. But we, we want to be sensitive to the victim, um, care more about that, think about it well. And let the process unfold, right? It is not our job to be judge, jury, and executioner, but to um, just state what we know and then talk about our job is to say basically, so what does this mean for Illinois and how do we look at Terrence Shannon Jr.? Yeah, it's an incredibly unfortunate situation and and for Shannon to have... uh, 
put himself in a position again we don't know all the details but uh, to potentially as a player who's had so much success this year on the basketball court and put himself back in the draft conversation after grinding for four or five years if uh, if you know when we hear more details or if certainly he gets uh, convicted and uh, putting himself in a position where he he throws away his career i mean that's just a really sad state of affairs again we don't know the whole situation here we're trying to be careful about how we how we talk about it because uh, it's still in the early stages and again there's not a lot of details here i do want to say that it's it sounds like from what we've heard so far that uh, the school the institution has handled this pretty well they, they became aware of the allegations in late september uh, once formal charges were filed which certainly is a, a bigger step into the process here that was when they made the decision to immediately suspend shannon indefinitely uh, i think we've seen programs in the past struggle to figure out how to handle some of these situations and, and erring on the side of caution especially for a program like illinois that doesn't often find themselves in the top 10 conversation and certainly uh, is there in a, a significant part because of shannon for them to be willing to immediately uh, push him off the team while they let this play through i think is the the correct way to handle it uh, obviously, as we learn more, we'll kind of get a better sense of, of what maybe we'll get a better sense of what transpired or whatnot. We, we, we may not know a lot of the full yeah. details. But again, sure. I think that the school being willing to uh, to set a boundary here and 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 show the, the world that they're kind of in, interested in protecting the, the interests of the victim in this situation as they let it play out, I think is a, a good thing. But uh, obviously, like you said, as we kind of transition the topic more to the, the basketball side of things, which is always kind of difficult to do, uh, this is this is a huge blow for, for the basketball program here. A top 10 team, they're rarely in this conversation. The Big Ten is not as, as strong at the top as it has been historically with Michigan State, uh, with Indiana a little bit down. Wisconsin has been good. Michigan has not been good. And, and I think you look at Purdue and there's kind of a, a lot of teams kind of potentially vying for number two and, and Illinois is at the top of that list. But now without Shannon, the 22 points per game, four and a half boards, two and a half assists, like he was doing everything, 41% from three. And, and Illinois won their first game without him. It was against Fairleigh Dickinson, 104 to 71 the team they would have beat with, with Terrence Shannon. So I don't know how much that matters, but uh, Ty Rogers stepped into the starting lineup, 10 points, 15 rebounds and five assists for him. I think he's going to be a big key for them in terms of being able to stay in that top three conversation in the big 10 and potentially earn a, a solid seat in March. Yeah. Andy, you know, I mean, as you said, this is a massive blow to their team. Let's not try to sugarcoat that. He was playing at an all American level. Terrence yeah. Shannon jr. Was and. Again, as you said, we're, we don't know. Maybe he'll be back. Maybe he won't. That's literally the definition of indefinite. So uh, we wait to see on that. Andy, what, what's interesting is what do you, how do you treat a team when you're ranking them at a moment yeah. like this? And so for me, I like on my personal ballot, I had Illinois at 10th last week, and mm -hmm. I actually kept them at 10th this week because yeah. while I expect them to not be as good, I'm not going to punish them until we actually see what happens on the court. Now we're going <clears> to <throat> find out that answer pretty quickly. They have Northwestern tonight and then they're at Purdue on Saturday. And so, you know, like if Illinois goes out and wins these games, it's like, okay, you've proven it. But mm -hmm. I, I think they have earned the right, even without Terrence Shannon Jr. to, to prove it on the court that they're, they're still as good as they were or to say, with their play, hey, we're clearly not the same team we were, and then we will adjust accordingly next week. But for right now, I chose to kind of keep them in the same place. So, Andy, let's get to our Tuesday trivia answer. Let me remind us all of the question one more time, and then we'll let you answer it. Three teams are tied for the most quad one wins in the country as of New Year's Day. 
First off, who are those three teams? And then secondly, how many wins do they have in quad one? Well, I think one of them is a surprise that I believe we talked about previously. Is it Houston? It is Houston. Yeah. The team that we're criticizing their resume, and yet they have the most quad one wins. Because they also country. have eight quad four wins. Yes, I I, I understand the argument. Um, <laughs> Houston's one of them. Is Arizona one of them? They are, yes. Okay. Another team we've criticized today, although granted that was for a different reason. Uh, third team with the most quad one wins. I kind of figured Houston and Arizona were probably it. Um, I have a couple guesses. I'm going to start with Tennessee. No, Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee has. I lost them on here. They have two quad one wins. Oh wow, not as many as I thought. Uh, UConn. UConn. No, they also have two quad one wins. Okay. Um, Maybe go to the top of the nation. Oh, is it Purdue? Is it that simple? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Four and one in quad one Mm -hmm. game. Yep. That lone loss to Northwestern. So. Gotcha. Oh, and I just gave you the number. Yeah, to well, the to be fair, I knew that I knew it was four because I knew Houston was four and zero in quad one. So. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. Houston four and zero, Purdue four and one, and Arizona four and two. Although, as we said earlier, Arizona also now has a quad two loss. Yeah. So really quickly, folks, on we got to get out of here, but we do get some good basketball back tonight, Tuesday. Let me just run you through a couple of them: North Carolina at Pittsburgh, seven mm-hmm. o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Wild to think, but this is North Carolina's first true road game of the season. We just talked about Purdue. They are at Maryland 7 Eastern on Peacock. Good luck watching it. Uh, For (laughs) Purdue, it's their second road game of the season, but uh, we know what happened the first time that loss we just mentioned. Creighton is at Georgetown. Blue Jays have to win this game, Andy. Iowa at Wisconsin 7 Eastern on Big Ten Network. Uh, Another good test for Wisconsin. Northwestern at Illinois. We talked about it, but Illinois, we're curious to see what they look like against high major competition in a Terrence Shannon Jr.-less era. Syracuse is at Duke. Again, Duke now has Tyrese Proctor back. Jared McCain has been playing like an absolute dude lately, so we'll see uh, how the Orange can follow up their win over Pitt. And then Andy, what for me is a very interesting Mountain West game, New Mexico at Colorado State. That one's 10.30 Eastern on FS1. So the Rams have an opportunity to continue proving they're legit and need to stay up there, but they got to beat New Mexico to do so. I, I'll take the first and the last games you talked about as the most intriguing ones to me. I'm curious to see Carolina on the road at Pitt, and I'm very, very curious to see if New Mexico can prove that their really, really strong record this year is legit and beat Colorado State at home. That'd be their second home loss of the season for the Rams. Very, very fun game there. But Isaac, We are into 2024. I'm so excited to continue this journey with you, my friend, and continue to talk five days per week here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. And folks, I want to thank all of you so much for being everyday listeners to the show, even if you were just getting started. If this is your fifth show, 10th show, 150th episode, I think we've done that many by now. Uh, We really appreciate all of you for for jumping on the show with us. And of course, uh, a reminder to join us on our Discord channel if you have not done so yet. There is a link in the show notes on both audio and video platforms. You can come hang out with us. 24 7 there as we continue to talk college basketball get a pre-look at our top 25 rankings before we post them other places as well but again we'll be back next we'll be back on wednesday with more conversation here about this first week of conference play for a lot of programs but until then apologies to the lawyer family let's go wildcats even if they lost to stanford and until tomorrow peace